Today we're going to continue our series that we started a couple of weeks ago called Christian. It's not what you think it is. We all kind of grow up with some kind of idea of what we think the Christian life is all about. And maybe we kind of looked at mom and dad or some aunts and uncles or grandmas and grandpas that kind of had a Christian faith, whether we grew up in a Christian home or not. And we, we just kind of think this is what a Christian is. But in this series, we're talking about what a Christian really is biblically. And so in this series, we're focusing on going beyond just wearing the name Christian, like it's stamped on us somewhere. We're going beyond just wearing that name like some brand. And instead, we're, we're becoming disciples who actually live like Jesus. And all of God's people said, <laughs> isn't that what the Christian life really is about? Following Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and living like Him. So today I want to talk with you about really living like Him. And I want to focus on being a disciple that lives like Jesus, especially when it comes to lovingly judging our Christian brothers and sisters who are living in some kind of sin. And I'm going to call our Christian brothers and sisters insiders today, okay? And yet never, ever judging those who are outsiders, those who are not disciples, those who are not Christians, never judging outsiders who are living in sin. So that's what we want to talk about today. Now, we've been talking about the difference between a Christian and a disciple is simply this. The word Christian is often just something, you know, this is what this group believes. It's just about what a group believes, their theology, their, their doctrine. But a disciple, the word disciple is about how a person behaves, how they actually live. If you are a disciple of somebody, especially Jesus, it's about how you walk, how you talk, how you live your life, and it should be like him. And if you consider yourself to be a Christian, you need to understand that people who aren't followers of Jesus those who don't consider themselves to be Christians, they look at us and they expect more from us than often we expect from ourselves. Often outsiders look at us and say, you claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, but your behavior just doesn't match the behavior of Jesus I've read the scriptures. I, I see how Jesus loved people and how, how he lived, and I don't see that behavior matching his. And that is exactly why some folks will never step inside of a church because they don't see the insiders behaving any different, any better than the outsiders. They say that our behavior falls way short of matching the behavior of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we have to confess that that's true. Now, they may even want a relationship with Jesus. But because of how they see us behaving, they don't want to be a part of his family. I don't know about you, but that breaks my heart. Steve Jobs, founder of Apple, wrote in his biography, he said, the juice goes out of Christianity when it becomes too based on faith rather than on living like Jesus. So here's Steve Jobs, founder of Apple, not a Christian, who is saying the juice, as I look on as an outsider, really kind of goes out of Christianity when it's all about what a person believes as opposed to how a person behaves. Pretty good insight. 
And I think Jesus would agree. If we ask Jesus, what do your followers do? I mean, what's the key characteristic of a follower of yours, Jesus? Jesus would say, and he did say in John 13, 35, by this, by this one thing, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And here it is. And he says, if you love one another. If you love one another. The defining characteristic of a follower of Jesus is how he or she treats people who are inside and outside of God's family. How do we treat everybody? But today, we're going to mostly apply that verse to how Jesus' followers treat people who aren't his followers yet. Now, of course, we Jesus followers, we're supposed to love each other as we bind ourselves together to work together for the purposes of God and to accomplish the mission and the vision of God. And, and that's hard enough to do, right? <laughs> to work together with all of our varying personalities and all of our different preferences that we have as, as individual people, that's hard enough to do. And sometimes it's not easy to show love to each other in the same ways that God shows love to every one of us. Sometimes it's not easy to show patience and forbearance and forgiveness and kindness and compassion to each other who are insiders, <laughs> to each other who already are disciples of Jesus Christ, just because we're so different in so many ways. But today I want to focus on something even tougher. I want to focus on you and me showing love, God's love, to people who are not yet following Jesus, people who are outside the faith. Because those are the people that Jesus commanded you and me to spend our lives going to. Those who are outside of the faith are to be the constant focus of disciples of Jesus Christ. Because just before Jesus ascended into heaven, what did he do? He clearly defined the mission for his disciples. Guys, I'm, I'm taking off. I'm leaving the building. <laughs> I'm going. And here's what I want you to do. So write this down. Understand this first. Disciples, insiders, Christians, you and me, we have a mission. We have a clearly defined mission. We disciples are not to just make the best of our time on earth. Jesus, thanks for keeping me with you. Jesus, until we die, take our last breath and go to heaven. Jesus gave us a mission. And we're to use all that he's blessed us with, our time, our, our talents, our money, to complete that mission. And here's the mission he gave us. He said this, go and make disciples, make followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So after Jesus left the earth, his closest disciples, his followers, began doing just that. Man, they took off. <laughs> they went out. And they began making disciples of Jesus. So write this down. Disciples do invite people to follow Jesus. When is the last time you or I invited anybody to follow Jesus? Disciples do invite people to follow him. They live like Jesus, and then they invite other people to follow Jesus. And as the first disciples started going and telling and teaching, the number of new disciples and the number of new churches just exploded. The mission that Jesus gave his disciples was being carried out. 
The love of Jesus Christ was being communicated around the world. And so these first disciples were being faithful to invite others to follow Jesus. But there was one thing that they were very, very careful not to do. Write this down. Disciples don't impose values on people who are not yet following Jesus. I mean, Jesus never said, go impose my teachings, my values, my worldview on all the nations, threatening them with judgment if they don't follow me, if they don't do everything that I've commanded you. You see, the reason the number of followers of Jesus and the number of churches grew so rapidly to the point that the empire of Rome and many of the emperors embraced Christianity was because those disciples behaved toward the world in the same way that Jesus behaved toward the world that he created. They showed the love of Jesus to their world, both to the insiders, the disciples and their fellowships, and the outsiders. They showed the love of Jesus Christ to everyone. Their approach was a winsome approach. They didn't approach the outsiders with a bunch of do's and don'ts, the values and everything of Jesus all at once. They won them by demonstrating the love of Jesus to them, his unconditional love. Paul had the same attitude. Look at this. Paul says, though I'm free and I belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone. And why? To win as many as possible. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not better than anybody else. I'm not above you. Yes, I am an insider, and I, I know all of the scriptures, but I'm not above you. I'm not looking down on you because you're not a follower of Jesus. I'm not going to judge you as an outsider of the Christian faith. Paul says, I'm choosing to make myself your slave. I'm willing to walk with you. I'm willing to work for you and simply show you by the way I live and love that the God who lives in me loves you. I'm going to show you the love of God. And as Paul lived that kind of life, he was able to win people's hearts and convince them to be Jesus followers. Now, Paul didn't back off of the truth. Paul was always outspoken with the truth. But he also showed them the love of Jesus Christ. See, you don't win people's hearts by imposing your will upon them. You're going to go to hell. Well, that is a truth. But wouldn't it be better to show them the love and compassion of Jesus Christ and win their hearts by such a clean, pure life and a life of love that they say, what is that? Where's that coming from? And that's what Paul the Apostle did. You don't win hearts by imposing your will on him. And so the disciples didn't do that. Disciples of Christ live such a courageous life of faith and demonstrate such a contagious kind of love that those on the outside looking in say, I don't know where you're getting that, but I want some of that. And they're one to Christ because your life looks like Jesus Christ's life. A life full of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and compassion. So yes, disciples, we insiders, we have a mission to go invite others to Jesus, but we need to do it in a winsome way. And as we go, we also have a right ex expectation. We'd always have a right expectation. Disciples have right expectations for insiders, followers of Jesus, and right expectations 
for those who are not yet following him. Now, whenever the Apostle Paul got some news about something going on in the family of followers, in a certain church family somewhere, people who were not following the model and teachings of Jesus, what did he do? He wrote a letter. And that's what the Bible is, letters to churches. And so he wrote a letter to the church in Corinth one day. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we find this letter that he's written to this church. And Corinth was a city a whole lot like Las Vegas. You could put it under the title, Corinth, Sin City. Okay, just like Las Vegas. Corinth was a city that had gotten that rep because it was a sexually charged kind of place. And Paul wrote to this church in Corinth this letter because there was some nasty stuff going on in this church in Corinth. Some nasty church that should be addressed but wasn't being dealt with. And so as people believed in Christ, they began following him, and yet they hung on to some of their old sinful ways that they just grew up with in this sexually charged city. They hung on to some of the things that the people in the city, the outsiders, said, this is just normal, this is, this is okay. And so they continued in some of their sinful ways. And that was happening in this church in Corinth. So Paul writes this letter to those disciples, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he goes to, and he says this, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave this world. <laughs> so he's not talking about insiders. He's not talking about church family right now. He's talking to out, about outsiders. But he says, but now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, who claims to be a disciple, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those on the outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. Disciples have a right expectation of other disciples. In other words, Paul the Apostle is talking, and he says, as insiders, as disciples, we need to expect each other to live clean lives, have clean hearts, clean minds, we need to live clean and pleasing and in acceptable ways to God our Father. And Paul says, if there are disciples or insiders who do not stay clean, don't even eat with them. Don't even continue to fellowship with them. And the discipline of cutting off fellowship of that person will hopefully be so devastating to them that they will confess their sin turn from their sin, and turn back to God. That's kind of like tough love with our kids, isn't it? Our kids, they misbehave. And oh man, as parents, we love them so much. But we realize we've got to give them some tough love. We've got to give them some discipline. So hopefully, they will turn their behavior around and begin to make right choices. And so that's what Paul is saying. We've got to give them some tough love. Disciples expect disciples to stay on the path of pursuing godliness. Paul goes on and he says, 
It is actually reported there that there is sexual immorality among you. And of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. Now, we don't have all the background on this, but evidently the dad got remarried, and now the son is sleeping with the new wife. And Paul says, and church, you're, you are proud? Shouldn't you have gone into mourning and have put out, your, put out of your fellowship the man who's been doing this? For my part, even though I'm not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, in spirit, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. Everybody say, whoa, with me. (laughs) Whoa. Those are strong words. But this is God's word. And so listen, there is a Jesus follower morality standard. And there's a non-Jesus follower morality standard outside the church. Everybody has some kind of standards. The Greeks had standards. The Romans had standards. And disciples of Jesus have biblical standards. So Paul is saying there are two standards. There's the church standard, the insider standard. There's the non-church outsider standard. So Paul's saying to this church, the stuff that's going on in your church is so bad that even the outsiders are now looking inside and going, church, are you kidding me? That's gross. Nobody should be doing that. Are you kidding me, church? So Paul is saying to this church, the standards for disciples, they're clear. Don't let this man keep doing what he's doing. Expel him from the church. Don't associate. Don't even eat with him. Cut off fellowship. Now, you know that you're not supposed to judge others. The Bible talks about not judging others, and that's absolutely correct when it comes to outsiders. We don't expect outsiders to act like insiders. But you are to lovingly judge the actions of insiders and deal with them. Lovingly. Sit them down. Speak with them. And say, come on, let's be honest. This is is not following Jesus. And so Paul says, I'm not physically present with you. I'm with you in spirit. But I've already passed judgment on this guy. You see, when a person signs on to be a disciple of Jesus, his behavior should not be way out of whack with that of Jesus and other disciples. But when a disciple, an insider's life gets way out of whack, the leadership of the church should sit down with him and speak with him. And if he does not confess and turn from his sinful ways, the Bible's saying, put him out with the hope that the cutting off of the fellowship will help him turn back to Jesus Christ. It will humble him. Now listen close. Disciples are not supposed to disengage from everybody who's not a follower just because they're immoral or greedy or an idolater or or a swindler. Disciples are not to disengage from the people of this world who have habits and, and behaviors that are sinful. In fact, our mission is to continue to go to all the outsiders, all the people who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who are living totally immoral lives. That's our mission, is to go to them and yet live before them as insiders, as disciples of Jesus, such clean lives, such lives of love, that they look and say, I want some of that. But it's the disciple who is inside the church who's choosing to live in sin that we're not to associate with. 
So Paul is saying, judge your fellow followers of Jesus on the inside. Yes, hold them accountable. But don't judge your friends and neighbors who are still on the outside. So here's something, disciples, that we are, we're not to do. Disciples, write this down, don't expect non-followers to behave like Jesus' followers. We just don't expect that. We have a right expectation for non-followers of Jesus. And Paul underscores this by saying, what business of it is mine to judge those outside the church? And the answer is, it's none of my business. They haven't signed up. They haven't claimed to be a follower of Jesus. But then disciples do this. Disciples do expect followers, disciples, fellow disciples to behave like Jesus' followers. We have that expectation. You expect me to behave like Jesus? Hmm? Yeah. I expect you to behave like Jesus. We all have biblical standards that we read and we study, and we expect each other to follow those standards. Paul says, are you not to judge those inside? The answer is yes. But it is God who will judge those outside. But you know what? As a church, we're notorious for trying to police everybody outside the church and tell them everything they're doing wrong. Amen? Come on, be honest. We do that, right? We're great at policing everybody else. But Paul is saying we need to do some policing inside the church. We disciples need to turn that around and do a better job of policing ourselves. And when I say that, I'm talking in in loving manners. If we see something, a brother or sister in sin, we quietly go to them. We sit them down. We plead with them. We talk with them. We care for them. We pray for them. But we do it. And then we need to lay off everybody else outside the church. We need to do a better job at taking inventory on our own lives. And judging ourselves, how are we doing it really being Jesus followers? Now, I know that none of us like the judge word, do we? (laughs) None of us like the big J word. We We don't like that word. It's a hard word. So maybe another way of saying it is this. I don't care if your kids study. I don't care if your kids do their homework. They're not my kids. I don't care. But I care a whole lot whether or not my kids and my grandkids study and do their homework. And and, and if my kids don't study and do their homework and they start to fail, I'm going to sit down with them and we're going to have a talk. And when they say, oh, you're judging me as a parent, what am I going to say? I don't care. Do your homework. Right? Get it done. I don't care if you feel judged. You just get it done. That's how I talk to my kids on the inside. But I'm never going to walk into your house and judge your kids for the fact that they don't do their homework. They're not my kids. So that's all that Paul is saying about the J word. Judge the believing, not the unbelieving. Judge the insiders, not the outsiders. So disciples, we've got a mission. But as we go, we've got to have a right expectation, a right expectation for the unbelieving and the believing. And if we do this really well, it leads to this last thing, fill in the blank. It leads to a life that serves as a continual invitation. There are disciples whose lives serve as a healthy, contagious, continual invitation to people who are not yet followers of Jesus that say, come see Come check us out. Come investigate. 
what following Jesus is really like. You see, there are millions of disciples who have found that following Jesus Christ and his standards have brought them into a life that is beyond incredible. Blessings that are immeasurable. There are disciples and people who are not in and out of bed with everybody that they're not married to. There are disciples and people who are taking what the Bible says about marriage and sex seriously and they live according to biblical standards. But these disciples are people who are not going to judge outsiders for the way that they've been living. No, they're just going to say, come look at the life that I live. Come look at the love of my church family. Come and see. Write this down. Their lives say, come and watch us live. My business and your business is to simply follow the teachings and lifestyle of Jesus. And if we do that, our lives will prove that living for Jesus and following his behavior is a far better way to live and it brings immeasurable blessings into our lives. And if we really are following Jesus closely, we will have the confidence to say like Paul, come watch me live. Come do as I do. Are you there yet? Can you say that to everybody? Come watch me live. Come do as I do, and it'll lead you to Jesus. Our lives will look, if we, if we really follow Jesus that closely, our lives will look inviting. Our lives will actually be inviting to other people. And then their lives will say, come watch us love. And when they come and watch how you and I love each other, when something goes wrong in our life, how we pray for each other, we have a hospital issue and people surround and bring meals and how we love on each other and how we take care of each other. When they come and see how we hold each other accountable to follow Jesus, but yet we do it in a loving way, they want to be part of that kind of community. A community, a church full of Jesus followers that so loves each other and so wants each other to experience eternal life. That they lovingly speak into each other's lives when things go wrong. That when they see a brother or sister failing in the church, that they lovingly coach them, guide them, help correct them to be more like Jesus, to behave like him. Folks, true disciples truly love one another, the insiders. And true disciples say to outsiders, come watch us live. Come watch us love. I think you'll like what you see. You see, it's the love of Jesus that causes the church to explode. It's when we express to the outsiders, our friends, our neighbors who have no church home, who have no belief in God or Jesus, when they see how we live and how we love, it becomes explosive like those first disciples experienced. Can you imagine how many more in our world and in our cities might have already come to know Jesus Christ if all of us would just demonstrate real love toward each other and our lives live so close to that of Jesus that we could say to anyone, come watch us live clean lives. Come see how we love each other. Come see how Jesus can change anybody's life. Just imagine how many more might come to know Jesus if we were living that close. Amen? We were demonstrating that kind of God-like love, letting it flow through us 
in that kind of way. Let's bow our heads. I really believe that our church would explode if we begin to share that kind of love, that kind of life with our communities. As I pray this prayer, would you make this commitment with me today? Just repeat in your heart after me. Father, I commit today to truly be a disciple of your Son and my Savior, Jesus. Today, I repent of my sin. I turn fully toward you. And I will begin to follow you like never before. I will pattern my life and my behavior after yours. I'll begin to live a life that's clean and pleasing to you. And one that serves as an invitation to those who don't yet know you. Lord Jesus, help us to understand that being a Christian is far beyond a set of beliefs. It's a set of behaviors. Behaviors that make us look like you, act like you, deal with life issues like you. That really becomes contagious in our community. Lord, we just surrender our whole lives to you. Have your way in us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen.